Anybody else have, I mean, I know we all had a week. Man, I had a week. <laughs> uh, I'd say the one good thing about the week is it's over. And Sunday starts a new one. So today we're going to be in Ephesians here in just a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the week, God is good and uh, we are together. And uh, even though we have trials and struggles, God is faithful. He has not left us. He will not forsake us. Um, so we can press on in His presence knowing that He's good and He's with us, right? Everything we've been talking about for the last number of weeks. Um, so let me give you a word that you guys gave me last week. Relationships. Relationships. Uh, relationships, let me give you a definition, a working definition, and then uh, I'm going to ask you a question. Once again, the rule is we turn the AC off to one another, and if anybody gets too hot, raise your hand, let me know, we'll kick it back on. That's the rule. So, if you walk out of here sweaty, it's not my fault, it's because you didn't speak up. Okay. Uh, so, relationships. Very simply, the way people are connected to one another. The way people are connected to one another, that can come all forms or fashion. It's just the state of being connected. The fact that you're connected means you're in a relationship of some form or fashion. Now, relationships take many shapes, many uh, reasons, many different points of connection. And, and that's what... Are you already hot? I'm good. Already? Good, good. <laughs> Um, so let me ask you this question so that we can have something to work with this morning. What are examples of ways people are connected to one another? What are examples of relationships, ways that we are connected? Spouse. Spouse. Okay. What else? Parents, siblings. A.K.A. family. Friendship. Friendship, co-workers. What else? Neighbors. Neighbors. Okay. Give me a couple more. Traffic jams. <laughs> Fellow freeway drivers, huh? I'll go with it. Uh, uh, drivers. On the road. It's a way we're connected, right? Give me one more. Fraternity, like you're members of a club. Okay, so... Um, Association. Social groups? Or? Social groups. Work. Work, yeah, we got co-workers. Oh. But yes, yeah, social groups. Um, and inside of those groups, we have uh, school, church... Uh, etc., 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 right? There's all kinds of groups in our uh, everyday life that, that connect us. Um, I'm going to give you one more, and that's uh, authority figures. So uh, we have relationships with authority figures, which can be everything from our boss to our mayor to our president to whatever it is. Uh, we, we have a connecting point um, 
to the authority figure and to the one who is subject to that authority. That creates a relationship uh, as well. So last week I posed, uh, proposed a goal over the next few weeks, and our goal was this, that we want to show you, this was based on David uh, and the events where he took the Ark of the Covenant um, from where it had been. He brought it back to Jerusalem. We traced a, a really interesting narrative out of 1 Samuel um, where they brought the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence. Some things went bad, so they stopped, but then they rejoined this, and then they brought the Ark of the Covenant, which represented God's presence, into the center of everyday life in Jerusalem. And they wanted God's presence to be the central, uh, the central thing, the central uh, staple of everyday life in that place. Uh, and and they, they took six steps... God was with them. They survived the journey, uh, and God came back and was with them in Jerusalem. So here's what we talked about was that this week, as we move into it, uh, some parallels. We want to show the same divine approval that you have in your own life, that God is for you and He is with you. We want to show you that over the next number of weeks. And with that, we also want to help align our everyday walk in the presence of God with the instruction of God. Because a lot of time our self-imposed destruction comes from just doing whatever's natural or whatever we want to do or whatever we think we should do without ever considering that if I'm going to walk in God's presence, maybe God said something about how I should walk. right? And a lot of times when we just go with our instincts, maybe we go with whatever's most efficient in that moment, whatever feels the least resistance and all the reasons that we have for walking our own way, um, that maybe God's already said something about how we should walk in His presence, how we can walk in His approval, how we can walk with Him and not uh, just think that, oh, well, God's with me. I can walk out one. right? Because maybe as we walk in His presence, we also need to walk in his instructions. Okay, so I, I asked you a few things. I asked you one thing last week. I said, what are some areas in our life that maybe we just flippantly, randomly, whatever reason we have, we just walk in those things in our life without even considering how God would have us to walk in those things. And one of the topics you gave me was relationships. I think that came from Marianne last week that sometimes we just, we just go in relationships, how we feel, the path of least resistance, maybe what, uh, what becomes most natural. But maybe God said something about relationships, that if God's approval is on us, God's presence is with us, then maybe we don't get to choose how we walk. But if He's going to go with us, maybe He's also said, this is how you walk, if you want me to go with you. If you want my approval, if you want my presence and you don't want to self-destruct yourself, this is, this is how you go. And so we had relationships. Uh, we said career and education. Uh, there was our study and prayer time. And then there was our finances. These are our four topics that we're going to hit over the next number of weeks that came from you. And we're going to discuss how to walk in God's instruction in those things. But this morning we hit relationships. I, even before I opened up the scriptures, I, I felt drawn to a passage, uh, the book of Ephesians this week. 
And then even as I opened up this, so like if we were to say, let's hit God's instruction for relationships this week. There's a lot of content, right? 66 books wrapped up in one binding. We call the Bible the God's inspired word. Uh, him, his self-revelation to us tells us who he is and who we are and how we operate with him. Man, we, there's no way that we can cover everything this book says about relationships. So I narrowed down to the book of Ephesians. I felt about God's leadership. We were going there. And then I opened up the book of Ephesians. I'm like, we can't even cover all the things in Ephesians about relationships. So let me give you what this week and next week looks like because this became a two-part conversation for us. Uh, Ephesians has two major, two major significant, what I'm calling one another truth bombs that it just drops on us, right? Uh, Relationships are the way people are connected to one another. And the Bible, New Testament specifically, has a lot, of, a lot of one another statements in it. And Ephesians has two of them that just stood out to me above everything else. Uh, and that's what we're going to hit for the next two weeks. The first one is, forgive one another. So in the concept of relationships, the way that you're connected to one another... Paul, in the book of Ephesians, number one, gives us the instruction to forgive one another. The second one that we're going to postpone till next week, and I'm just giving you a teaser right now, submit to one another. And as I read through the six chapters that make up the book of Ephesians, those two statements just jumped out at me and said, we have to address those. We have to address those. Now, both of those are really hard And they have a lot of content backed into them, so we can't even cover both of those this week. So this week we're jumping into forgive one another, and next week we'll hit on submit to one another. And I just want to let that submit to one another um, hang in the back of your mind and create a little bit of anxiety that will bring you back next week. Because you're already nervous about that one, and you're already kind of bowing your chest out and saying, "Uh uh-uh, uh-uh. So let that tension build over the next seven days and come back next week. Even though it's a holiday weekend, I want that tension to bring you back. So we're looking at Ephesians. We're going to be in chapter 4. And we find the first one another bomb that is dropped on us. Ephesians 4, verse 31 and 32. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this, Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, among with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. One more time. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander, be removed from you, among with all malice, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. So I want to start maybe kind of backwards this morning as we consider what Paul just told us there. Question for you, what word, what concept, what is the opposite of forgiveness? 
What's the opposite of forgiveness? Revenge. Revenge. Okay. Resentment. Revenge. Grudge. Resentment. Grudge. Okay, anything else? Those three came quick. Good job. Good job. Anger. Anger. Hatred. Hatred. Sorry. Doesn't matter what you say, it's what I hear. That's <laughs> all that matters. Bitterness. Y'all like my two T's. When there's two T's together, I make it into an H, but it's still two T's. That's just how I, it's my quick script. Things I learn as I go through life. Uh, anybody got one more? The opposite. Opposite of forgiveness. Give me one more. Okay, so to continue to be anger or angry. Okay, so the opposite of forgiveness is to take revenge. It's resentment against another. It's holding that grudge. It's hatred, bitterness, and just anger. Those are the opposite of forgiveness. And I think those, I uh, maybe had just a couple more hostility. Man, I can't even spell. What'd you say? Yeah, so when we, what Sean's saying is that when we don't forgive, actually, we're giving the other person control. And in that process, if we're unable to forgive, then they hold us in this position. We are trapped there because we have allowed them to trap us in resentment, bitterness. Um, at that point, it's not that their fault, it's our fault. So here's, 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 let me draw you a picture of, I can't even erase any of that, it's too important. X and Y. Forgiveness or unforgiveness is person X against person Y. When you have unforgiveness, you have one against the other with a point of division between the two. That's unforgiveness. Person X separated from person Y, and there is a single point of division between the two. And that point of division causes us to want to take revenge, to have resentment. It's that grudge. That's what unforgiveness is, that one point of division between the two, person X and person Y. Now, here's what Paul says in Ephesians 2, verse 3. He says, we previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath. Ephesians 2, 3, we lived in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. And we were by nature children under wrath. I read that this week because I just I read the whole book of Ephesians as I'm just kind of considering relationships and concept of forgiving one another. And, and I got to Ephesians 2.3 and I noticed that Paul says we are children under wrath simply for deciding that we can walk in God's presence however we choose. It was just like what we saw with David last week. His description of why we're children under wrath in verse chapter 2, verse 3 says, we just simply walked in our fleshly desires and we carried out whatever inclinations that our brain produced. Whatever thoughts you had, you just did it. 
Whatever your body just wanted to do, you just did it. And, and the process of just following whatever comes natural, Paul says this, we, as person X, are set against our Heavenly Father, God, who is person Y in this situation, and our point of division is simply the fact that we just walk how we want to. And he said, that in itself, we are children under wrath, separated from our Heavenly Father. There's a separation between us and God for the simple fact that you just, you just think you can do whatever you want. Whatever comes natural, just roll with it. And that's the point of division between us and our Heavenly Father. Um, Jesus took, here's what happens. Jesus took this dividing wall, this point of division, and He took Himself upon a cross. He took the point of division between us and our Heavenly Father And he put it on himself, and he put himself on a cross so that he might remove it by shedding of his blood. Jesus taking our dividing wall, putting himself on the cross to erase it with the shedding of his blood so that we might be reunited, reconciled with our Heavenly Father. He erased the point of division by the shedding of His blood. Now we are reconciled to God. No more need for revenge. There's no resentment against us for doing what we want. God's not holding a grudge. He doesn't hate us. There's no bitterness or anger towards us. We're no longer children under wrath. But we are children of our Father who holds nothing against you. Because He laid every flaw, every, every bit of His wrath upon His Son so that you might be treated like a son or like a daughter. That's what the cross does. It removes the dividing point between us and God by the shedding of Jesus' blood. And we are reconciled with no more condemnation. So here's a question for you. When Jesus decides to forgive us, what did it cost him? It cost his blood. When Jesus decided to forgive us, it cost his blood. Question for you is, what, what might it cost us to forgive one another? What might it cost us to forgive one another? Go ahead. Our pride. Pride. To get over this and to forgive these, it may cost you your pride. What else? What might it cost you to forgive one another? Your identity. How so? I mean, like, let's say someone did something you identified as like, against that. Mm. It's like, that's going to stand as that. Yeah. This is that and refuse to. Yeah, it's interesting. What Derek's saying is that sometimes when person X is pointed against person Y and it's that one dividing, that one piece of division that separates the two, sometimes your point of division becomes your own identity. It's like 
political parties, you know, it's like, I have to hate the other one because I'm yep. that one. And if you're willing, if you're willing to forgive that point of division, then maybe sometimes you lose your whole identity that you've created for yourself, because that's how you are known. Side note: chasing a rabbit, real quick. I think this is healthy for us to understand. I think there's a lot of instances where followers of Jesus have become known for what they're against more than what they're for. And I think it would do us really well in this community if we were a people who knew what we were for instead of what we are against. We're not going to be able to love one another or forgive one another and nobody out there is going to give a flip about what you believe or who you are if they only know that you're against them. But when we become a people who are for this city, then God might use us in this city. Okay? Historically speaking, sometimes Christians have not done so well in that. We want to be people who are known for what we're for and not what we're against. Okay? What else? If you were willing to forgive one another, what might it cost you? Emotions. Who? Emotional margin. Y'all remember that one? Emotions. Forgiveness is an emotional process. It's hard, isn't it, sometimes? What else? Are y'all like... (laughs) (laughs) Cost Jesus his blood and it may cost you your time. Okay. Give me two more. Comfort. Ah, It's uncomfortable. And you want to go back to David last week, and they're trying to take, they take a shortcut to get the ark. They're supposed to carry the ark of the covenant on their shoulders, but instead they put it on a wagon and let the ox carry it for them. And one of the reasons that we're like, maybe it's just like easier to let the ox do the work. But God's instruction said, no, you are to carry it on your shoulders. And the fact that it fell off the wagon, or almost fell off the wagon, is. It's not the ox's fault. It's your fault for putting it on the wagon when you were instructed to carry it. But, oh, man, it's so much more comfortable to let the ox do the work. But in the process of forgiveness, it's not about your comfort. Following God's instruction to forgive one another actually will cost you your comfort. It's not about doing what's easy. It's about doing what's right. One more. What might it cost you to forgive? Your attachment to your hatred and bitterness and anger. Oh, it's just going to cost you all this. And maybe you've just got really used to being that guy. Right? So I'm just going to circle this again, Sam. And it's, from the outside looking in, you're like, well, that's nothing. But from the inside looking out, you're like, but that's... If I don't have that, what do I have? I'm that guy. Let me give you a hint. Nobody likes that guy. Nobody likes that guy. But you're right. Sometimes it's hard to let go of those things. It is, and it's going to cost you every bit of that. So, let's admit together right now that our fleshly desires and inclinations, exactly what Paul talked about in Ephesians 2, 3, our fleshly desires, just what the body wants, 
and our inclinations of our mind, let's admit together that we want to avoid forgiveness. The body and the mind just doesn't want to give those things up. Right? It's unnatural to say, you know what? I'm going to give up my pride, my identity, my emotions, time, and comfort. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to give it up. Nobody in here wants to do that. You don't wake up every day saying, man, I look forward to having my pride stripped of me. I just look forward to giving up all my emotions to being reconciled to Sean, right? Because I disagree with what he did. I don't like what he did. And I'm right. He's wrong. We have this dividing point. I don't wake up in the morning saying, just let's go do something uncomfortable so we can be reconciled to one another. No, it says, you know what? I'm just not going to call Sean today. And when he calls me, I'm not going to answer. You know what? I think he's going to church this morning, so I think I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to avoid him. It's going to be uncomfortable when I see you. I don't want that. It's going to strip me of my pride, my time. I've got things to do this afternoon, and if I've got to stop and talk to him about these things, that's going to waste my day dealing with somebody I don't want to deal with, somebody that's wrong. It's just, it's just a void. My body just doesn't want to go there. My mind doesn't think like that. So none of us want to lose this. None of us want to lose this. What makes this so difficult? Right? We know the things that it will cost us. But I'm asking you to dig a little deeper inside yourself and just, what makes it so difficult to go here? This may not be a one-word answer, and I don't even James, know. James talks about how, the, you know, that I'm more, I'm more morally filthy, and mm. that there is evil prevalent in me. Jesus even referred to, to us, and he was talking to a group of believers. You being evil, know how, how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more does my heavenly Father? Mm-hmm. So I know that in me, uh, like Paul said, uh, there in me is this. Is this evil? Mm. Is this evil nature, sinful nature, if you will? Yeah. And it just does not want to. Just, it just does not want to submit to the will of God. Yeah. And then I, for me, there's a pleasure. Mm. Unfortunately, there's a pleasure I get from from resenting. Mm. There's a it, it turns it turns sour, and it. But there is inside of me. There is a side of me. A, part of me, that evil part of me that actually gets pleasure from a feeling like I want to get back. Mike may have just revealed like something deeper in our heart than we really wanted to be aware of. Actually, we we enjoy holding a grudge. We enjoy we, you're right, we find pleasure in resisting the instruction of God to forgive one another we find pleasure in it. It's not only that it's uncomfortable, but we think that we thrive in revenge. We've won. We are evil. The depths of how evil we are internally, I think you're right. This reveals part of that. On the other end of that, can you forgive too, too much or too easily? Uh, I think we're going to get to that in our final point. 
But you're right. That, that there's there's. Because then it, you take it on yourself, and it, it destroys who you take it on yourself. Right. So in forgiveness, sometimes now, like so, as as Jesus took that point of division, that dividing wall between us and Him, and He took it on Himself. Same word you just used. Now He carried the weight of all our transgressions, is what the Bible said. He took our transgressions upon His body to the point where He bled out and died. Now what Lisa is saying, can I be too quick and too willing to forgive because sometimes when I do forgive others the weight of their transgressions presses in on me and it's an emotional burden on my life to deal with your faults against me and if we don't do well Lisa's concern is that it will crush her I think that's an answer to the previous question that I, I don't even want to answer. I want to let that tension build. But I think that that's one of the things that makes it so difficult. We're afraid it's going to crush us. And I think it goes part of that identity as well because the more I forgive, the more I just feel and look a little wishy-washy. And all the flaws of others just burden me down. And now I don't even... Don't even know, right? I, I hope that in our last point we kind of address a little bit of that concern. That's tricky too, because as you forgive, it appears that you condone sometimes, right? But does let me ask this, just as a re- reflection on what you just said. And some Paul addresses that in the book of Romans. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound even more? No, he says. That would make it look like Jesus condones you living life your own way against the will of the Father. So no, we don't continue to live sinful, independent how we want, as if grace is just that much greater. The cross doesn't appear that Jesus condones your sin. The cross appears that Jesus condemns your sin. He just doesn't condemn you. So I think the process of forgiving, if we do it well, can actually address the problem of the sin or the transgression against one another. I don't think it's an approval. Like if if you did something to me and I forgive you, it's not as if I approve you, but if I forgive you well, we know that that was not a good thing. Right? It's not like I've just acted like it didn't happen, but we've erased it and we've moved on from it. I, I have not condoned it, but if we do this well, I think we can show that it was not... It was a transgression as well. Anyway, let's go to this. I think we hit what makes it so difficult. Ephesians 1, 7. It's the last verse I want to read for you. Ephesians 1, verse 7. Paul says, In Him, being Jesus, in Jesus, 
we have redemption through His blood. Redemption, picture of it is through His blood, He has erased the dividing wall. Now X is no longer over here. X is right here in the presence of God. We have, we have been redeemed, brought near, reunited through His blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to... According to what? Is anybody like, reading along with me? According to what? To the riches of His grace. To the riches of His grace. Like all that forgiveness... All that redemption, bringing back near, erasing the hostility, erasing the grudge, the bitterness, the anger, the revenge, the wrath. The erase of that on the cross by the shedding of His blood is through the riches of His grace. Through the riches of His grace. Somebody give me a working definition of grace. Unmerited favor. Yep. Unmerited, undeserved favor. It's like he likes you and you don't deserve it. We always joke about this in our house. It's like when my kid deserves a spanking, but then Shelly's like, you know what, this time I'm giving you ice cream. It's grace. I should whoop your tail with our brand new paddle that works really well. You want to go to Sonic and get a milkshake? It's grace. Grace. Forgiveness does not come cheap, but it does come free. Forgiveness does not come cheap, but it does come free. This is grace. It's going to cost you all of this. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy. It's going to reveal the depths of the internal evil that you wrestle against. And it's going to be hard. It's not going to come cheap. But to you, it comes free. It costs me everything. But to the one whom I forgive, it's given freely. That's forgiveness. God, that doesn't seem fair. But you know what? The command wasn't to be fair. Fair is the inclinations of our mind. But the gospel, the gospel says that fairness was given up on the cross that you might be redeemed and restored. So what's the command? To forgive one another as God forgave you in Christ. Not to forgive as others forgive. But when you forgive, forgive as God forgave you in Christ. You know what that does? That costs you everything so that it may cost the one you forgive nothing. Do that. You want to operate in relationships well? Do that. I don't want to do that. Well, that's the inclinations of your mind, right? But that's not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Whatever excuse you had, 
Jesus had more. Whatever, however vulnerable you might become, Jesus became more. Whatever forgiveness may cost you, guess what? Jesus paid more. Right? Through faith in Jesus, you have divine approval through the forgiveness of His blood. I told you as we began this, I want to show that you have God's approval in your life. You have faith in Jesus, you have His approval. His blood has cleansed you and forgiven you and restored you to the relationship with your Father. You want to be restored to that? Put your hope in Jesus and you will be given that. You want that? Trust in Him. You'll be given that. You will have God's approval on your life and you will have His presence daily. You want that? It comes through Jesus. There's no other way to get it. There's your divine approval. But for those that are in His presence, in His approval, now how do you walk according to His instruction with each other? Forgive in the same way He forgave you. That's it. That's simple, right? That's simple. But the beautiful thing is, like all the fear and all the things we think we're giving up and all the hesitation we have and all the struggles that we have, when you're actually like restored to people, like in the same way that the gospel restores, I think what Mike said, that the evil that is within us, a little more of that is removed. And you become a little more like Christ every time you push against what becomes natural. And every time you go with the instruction and the presence of God, you become a little more like Jesus and a little less like Mike. That's not a Gatorade commercial. Sorry. For those of you... I keep hearing the word freedom. Like that's, I feel like when you do that, there's this freedom you begin to experience through Christ. That I, that's, I don't know, it's just the word I keep... Well, that goes back to what Sean said. That as long as we fight against, or as long as we just kind of go with whatever's natural, Joe, you got control over me, bro. The, the freedom that Jesus paid for is not applied if I want to hold on to my grudge. But as I learn to forgive as He forgave, the full measure of his freedom through the riches of his grace. It's mine. Scripture also says that if we suffer with him, we'll also mm. uh, experience the joy with him. I think that when I forgive from my heart, when I let go of the resentment repeatedly, it becomes a, it becomes a habit, if you will. I experience joy. Yeah. The joy Let me give one final thought because I don't want to ignore what you asked earlier, Lisa. I think when we forgive as the world forgives, you might be controlled by the people you forgive. It might become manipulative. You might be pressed down by all the things that you think you're just doing away with and just like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's no problem. I'll forgive you. When we forgive that way, you're right. You might be 
even more controlled by those people that you're letting go free. But when we forgive as Christ forgives, it's not an ignorance. One of the greatest things that says, Jesus suffered so that I don't have to make you suffer. I'm going to forgive like that. You've offended me. You've, you, you've sinned against me. But you know what? Jesus suffered for that. So I'm not going to hold a grudge and get revenge to make you suffer for it. I'm going to claim it in the name of Jesus. In the gospel that has been paid for. I'm not ignorant of it. I'm not acting like it didn't happen. But you are forgiven in the same way that Christ has forgiven me. I'm not going to be controlled by this. I'm not going to be manipulated by this. But I will declare that in the gospel, even that is paid for. I forgive you. Well, I think, like, and I'm, I might be wrong, but it's like with the forgiveness, like going with what Lisa was saying, I'm like, <laughs> there's also this, like, you know, don't throw your, don't throw your pearls to the swine. I'm like, if there's someone that's going to be toxic in my life, continually being just this toxic relationship, I'm not going. I can forgive the hurt that they might have caused me, but I'm not going to keep putting myself in that situation to have that to just. Yeah. That toxicity, if it's the right word, poured upon me. Like, there's still wisdom in just your, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I'm like, there is boundaries, too, just having, just wisdom. And if you're allowing someone to continually manipulate you and have that, (coughs) you can recognize that and try to forgive them through Christ. But if they're still a toxic person and continue to be toxic, in your life, you, you can't allow that. Well, <laughs> be, I don't know if that's right or not. Being ushered into the presence of God through the cross comes through repentance. It comes through me changing my mind and going a new direction. So, even though while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, to have that applied to my life and to get to walk in His daily presence means that I change my mind and I turn towards Him. So the penalty was paid, but it wasn't applied to me until I turned. So when you think about the people in your life that need to be forgiven, the penalty has been paid, but they don't become a daily part of your life until they turn. Okay? I'm not going to wreck myself. The penalty of their sin, their transgression, their flaws against you is covered already. But you're not going to apply it by becoming a daily part of their life until they turn. Okay? There's no grudge. There's no... All those things, no bitterness from you towards them. It's washed. It's cleansed. It's paid for. But you know what? You're not sitting on my couch until we agree to go together. That way you're not going to control me and manipulate me. Does that make sense? I think what you said earlier is so important that it's a process. Um, because I think, especially as Christians, we feel like forgiveness should come natural and easy. And as human beings, we've all been against things. Some things are easier to forgive than maybe something life-changing. And it, it doesn't come naturally a lot of times. It takes a lot of prayer. It takes a lot of time, um, counseling, whatever. And then you yeah. slowly get to that point where the things on the other side start taking over and you're like, oh. 
breaking the chains. Yeah, so think about what Marianne just said. If any of you have ever been to a counselor or a therapist, a lot of the reasons you ended up in that therapist's office is because of something somebody did to you and it was never forgiven and, and, and dealt with. So it continued to control you until it became oppressive to you and then it fleshed out in every other area of your life through anxiety and depression. They had power over you because they transgressed against you. But through that process that you're describing, it's been paid for, we're going to deal with it, we're going to move past it, and it's no longer going to define me. Most of you that have ended up in a therapist's office ended up for that reason. Something that was done to you in your past, and we didn't deal with it well. Or we didn't deal with it at all. And that's how we get to that point. Who do you withhold forgiveness from? Who is it that as we talk about this, you're like, you know what? This is still there. And I'm still holding on to these. Hadn't given it up for that yet. And I'm not telling you to say that person's name. I'm just identifying that right now. Who is it? And then what steps must you take towards forgiving them as God forgave you in Christ? What will that look like? Not what could that look like. What will that look like? What will that look like? And then identify if there's a way that we can help. We don't have these talks and these teachings to send you out on your own. But we're a family that wants to walk together as we obey Christ and apply His teachings to everyday life. So if there's a way that we can help you apply these steps to forgive the one whom you have yet to forgive, we want to help. We want to walk together. A lot of the help that you can find happens in our DNA groups that happen on Wednesday nights. It's a great place for to have a, a group of three or four help you through that process. It's a great place to learn to apply these things in those areas. Okay? Wednesday nights. It's a great way to get engaged in a regular rhythm of life that helps you apply these steps. Relationships. Spouse, family, friendships, co-workers, neighbors. Drivers on the road. (laughs) Forgive as God forgave you in Christ. Right? didn't know what you were getting into when you said relationships. Next week, we'll get into the even more uncomfortable topic of submit to one another. Okay? Derek, will you pray for us as we end this time? And then we'll turn the AC back on and serve sandwiches and shower them with gifts. Was that sandwiches or AC? AC. Okay. You're only hot because you didn't raise your hand. Okay. But I, I forgive you. Forgive you. Derek, will you pray for us? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the